chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host Ross Martin. As always, I am joined by the Don Callahan coming off National Sign Day. We were recording around 7.40 a.m. on Thursday, just hours from the end of National Sign Day on Wednesday. What's going on, Donald? Not too much. I'm refreshed. Got some good exercise in, nice shower, and I am just happy to, uh, and I got to just kind of relax last night. Um, even though Ross wasn't happy about that. So I'm just happy to be on this podcast with you. Yeah, I mean, for the record, I wanted to record the podcast last night so that we could have it to our loyal listeners and, and subscribers on their commute in this morning. But Don did not want to record last night. I was, I'm, My work kind of started mostly around 3, 8, 3 p.m. during the press conference. So I was working at Keeney Football Center from three until about eight. Then I came back, did more work and watched the basketball game. But Don did not want to record. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, what is it? Four or five days leading up to signing day. I was on the road in Spartanburg doing a bunch of stuff, covering state championship games. Um, and then really kind of working a bunch, obviously on, on signing day. And, and really what kind of threw my schedule off was the Clyde Pinder situation, which um, we'll get into later on in this podcast. So once it got to the time, cause I think, um, that was about seven, eight-ish, and literally, like, right when you sent that, my wife had ordered pizza, and yeah, she was... food. She, yes, and so she was, like, she didn't want to um, answer the door for whatever reason, so I was like, uh so I thought about it, and I was like, man, because, you know, we, we ordered from Papa John's, and they have that tracker, and I was like, do I have enough time to do this podcast, and so okay, I apologize, I apologize. All right, let's get right into it. I do want to ask you maybe at the end of the podcast about your morning workout, but we don't okay. want to um, we don't want to hold the listeners it's any not... longer. Let's get yeah. right into it. Uh, okay. Well, okay. So the big news obviously was Clyde Pinder's signature coming in later in the afternoon. Uh, you had updates throughout the day. Clyde Pinder, the three-star defensive tackle, high three-star, very talented prospect, big. Nose tackle out of Florida. He took an official visit to Florida last weekend, immediately after his UNC official visit. Um, six foot, 303, the number 41 defensive tackle, but just a big, you know, a big player and a big body that UNC needs. I guess just tell us what kind of what happened throughout the day, what intel you were getting, what was going on with Pender, and then what ultimately happened for him to sign with UNC. I think kind of around four to five, we started getting the news that he had actually signed, and then he announced it at six thirty, and that's when UNC announced it as well. Yeah, so I think we got to actually go back to Sunday because that's when his official visit to Florida ended, and he did some interviews 
with uh, the Florida websites, and they were actually considering he was he was coming off of a an official visit with Florida, and the writers from Florida who cover Florida were ones asking the questions. It was actually pretty positive for North Carolina. However, my attempts to reach out to uh, Clyde were unsuccessful, um, though I had talked to some sources close to UNC who said that they felt they felt they felt cautiously optimistic that they were going to hold on to to uh, Pinder. And then as the days got closer to signing day, that uh, optimism uh, grew very, very strong where, where I was told that they felt like they were locked in. Everything was good to go. The only crazy thing was that Clyde wouldn't talk to me and Clyde has, he doesn't have to talk to me. I'm not saying that at all, but usually that's not a good sign that you don't want to talk to a, a UNC reporter, which he knew that I, that I am. Um, he did text here and there, but you know, I, I asked him a couple of questions and then he would all of a sudden just go blank on me for, for a while. But anyway, so we get to uh, Wednesday, you know, and 24 of 25 um, letters intent are in. And Pender's the only one who's not. And um, I was speaking to the writers at uh, Florida, at the, at the Florida uh, site for um, 24-7 Sports. And they were told by um, coaches at um, Armwood High School that Clyde would not be signing on signing day. So just to kind of double check, I, I checked back in with UNC. Um, they were a little bit worried about what was going on reached out to Clyde's uh, head coach who confirmed that no, no decision had been made and that there was a, there was a very good chance that he would not sign that day. So uh, what I assume happened what I'm kind of putting it all together, but talking to a lot of different sources is that there were, uh, I guess some conversations with North Carolina and Pender, a lot of pushing um, from my understanding, Tim Brewster kind of led that charge and were able to get, get Clyde back on track um, I believe that his letter of intent came in shortly after four o'clock, uh, but just for the biggest bang, it wasn't announced or wasn't put out there publicly by um, by UNC until six thirty because that's that coincided with the the signing day party that UNC puts on every year. So that's that's kind of it, you know. Really, I mean, obviously he he had, he got cold feet. Um, he had some second guessing, which kind of goes against what he was saying. The other thing here, I want to throw this in here. I mean, Ross, do you have any? I have, I have an interesting story I want to throw in there that I think you'll enjoy, Ross. But uh, let me get your if you have any thoughts on, on yeah. what I just said. Well, my question is: so on signing day, can the coaches can text and call the the the, the commits? Yes, all during it's, the day. Yes, it's it's a dead period. Well, all right. So the phone calls, there is a limitation on the phone calls. But the text messaging, and really during the day, he's at school and he's actually taking finals yesterday. So, so you're not going to call him anyway. But I mean, the texting is unlimited, DMs unlimited, all that. Yeah, so I'm sure UNC's coaches were um, hitting him up throughout the day, saying, "Where's the signature?" Do you think he was conflicted? And based on intel, conflicted, you know, up until when he sent in and was just trying to decide still on uh wednesday or had he made up his decision it was just a logistical issue and delayed for just purposes from you know i heard he was taking an exam in the morning and then that kind of delayed it what do you, what 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 why did it get in so late was it, was it conflicted or was it logistical or what i believe he was conflicted and and this kind of leads into my story where so shortly after four o'clock i call clyde 
he answers and he blatantly tells me that he will not be signing today, meaning yesterday, and that he, this is 100% truth, um, you know, did the interview with him. He agreed to do an interview. He told me he was uh, going to sign on, in February and that, uh, you know, we went through the whole thing, you know, you know, why he said his mind was all over the place, all this other stuff. Now, what I know now is during that interview, his letter of intent was sitting in the Keenan Football Center. So he clearly was trying to, I guess, take me off the, the trail for making it a surprise. But um, but I believe, though, that that he had some, I guess, question marks on his decision. So he was telling you that, but he had already sent in his letter attempt to UNC. Yes. When, when, I, when I reached out to some sources, I was told that, uh, that yeah, I mean, they, they had the letter of intent at that time. What a, so, what a weird business we're in. This guy was just lying to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, if, if you just kind of look at the track record for, for him, I mean, remember right when he came out of the, the official visit from North Carolina, he was like, I'm not going to take any more visits. I'm done, done, done. And he acted like I was an idiot for asking that question, even though it's a very legitimate question, when a week before he was literally telling me that he was he was considering taking official visits. And then a couple of days later, He's uh, it's announced that he's going to officially visit Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know Clyde all that well. Um, you know, seems like a good kid from a good family and everything. But, um, you know, he is a kid. And I think that's part of it. Clyde does. No, he is a kid. He, oh. I don't I don't believe he has a kid, okay. but Clyde is a kid. Made it sound like he had a kid already. Hey, everybody has a different path. Okay, so, I mean, obviously, I it's with him and Jacoby Criswell, you have these guys from out of state, and their in-state school comes in, you know, weeks or months before signing day, and, and that's a strong pull. I mean, this guy probably grew up watching George, uh, Florida play and was a Florida fan, and it's close to home, and, and that's a tough thing to turn down, especially when it's in the SEC, um, and you have family members that – you know, went there or, or fans, and that's definitely hard to turn down. So kudos for UNC to hold on to him. Mac Brown always preaches keeping kids in the state of North Carolina. So, you know, a kid wants to stay in Florida. That's, you know, it kind of goes with what Mac believes about kids staying close to home. Same thing for Criswell. I mean, they held on to Criswell. We'll get to him a little bit later. But, you know, Arkansas came in a little late. Auburn as well. And those are both places closer to home. But he ended up signing with UNC as well. Okay, so Pender's addition to the UNC class gave them 25 signees. Elijah Burris is signing in February? Correct. That's the okay. plan. So there's 26 commitments, 25 have signed. UNC has the 19th ranked class, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, the number three class in the, um, in the ACC. It dropped a little bit in the composite rankings. I believe South Carolina and Miami jumped them. Maybe Oregon as well. Yes. Yeah. Oregon did uh, South Carolina and and Miami. Or no, I'm sorry. Um, no, no. Uh, just um, Oregon and South Carolina because Miami actually did a, a drop of their own. Just they didn't. They just didn't drop far enough to, I guess, for North Carolina to leap them. Uh, but they had a lot of uh, decommitments uh, yesterday. UNC finishes with seven four-stars and 19 three-stars, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. 
Okay, Clyde Pinder. Is there anything else we need to touch on? I mean, a huge get. I think I think he could play. I, mean, I don't know how good this guy is. I don't watch as much tape as you, but you know, the nose tackle position is a position of need next year with Aaron Crawford leaving. Also, Jason Sherbridge and the tier Lyman leaving. You have uh, some inexperience behind them with Raymond Vohasek and Julio Taylor. Clyde Pinder would definitely provide depth and have a chance to certainly get some reps next year. Anything else about you know how important landing Pinder was for the Tar Heels? Yeah, I mean, just basically what you said was just the fact that getting a guy like that, a true nose guard to add depth at that position, it was is key. Um, so, so bringing him in this class was was big for North Carolina. And the the thread of your updates will you know go down, and and I see lore as one of the crazy threads. You know, it's had dozens of of pages of comments. What? It was kind of a roller coaster ride because you kept dropping updates. And when he wasn't going to sign, when it, when all the news came out that he wasn't going to sign, I, I thought for sure he's going to Florida. I'd kind of written him off already, and I think a lot of people had because it kind of looked that way. Yeah, I think the the consensus was that if he signed on signing day, it would be North Carolina. But if he left the early signing period unsigned, it was going to be Florida. What uh, now? I heard that things got re- it's 27, 29 pages. Um, I heard things got really, really weird. I, I don't, I don't read all twenty nine pages. I'm going to be honest. Um, once it gets to like one or two or two or three, I I, I stop kind of reading. Um, what? Um, I probably shouldn't admit that, but what what was the weirdness that uh, was transpiring on there? I don't know. Who'd you hear that from? Uh, I just I don't know. I just read it different places. How they're referring to the uh, the Pinder thread. How weird it got. Um, the different and, and I guess um, I think I was told that Ben had to put it back on its tracks a couple of times. I just think it just with your updates, it just went. It was just a roller coaster ride. Because when we got the news, we were talking, and and I had heard that he had signed. I actually scooped you there again, uh, which is becoming a, a normal thing and has always been a normal thing. But uh, got the news that his letter of intent was in uh, around four. For for the record, we had all your information. Um, we just we just didn't share it with you. Ah, uh, I mean, you can say what you want to say, but I definitely broke the news <laughs> to you. Okay. But that's when it kind of, I guess that's when it got back on track and things got more positive. But, um, you know, Ben was commenting, I was commenting. Um, but it definitely, you know, fell off the rails and it got back on. It was just a crazy ebb and flow. All right, I think that's enough on Pinder. Let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Christmas is around the corner. You can do some last-minute shopping. Head over to Johnny T-Shirt right on Franklin Street if you're in town for a game. Or on GiantT-Shirt.com, use the promo code, a 10% off promo code, on the premium message boards on Inside Carolina to get 10% off your purchases, jackets, hats, sweatshirts, T-shirts. Always love new UNC and Carolina gear. Um, it's a great gift. You know, I think people always appreciate just fresh new UNC stuff. Listen to this podcast or diehard Carolina fans and uh, using this promo code, supporting them, a local company, that has great customer service and supporting the Inside Carolina podcast is a win-win for everybody involved. So if you are buying UNC apparel, make sure to go to Johnny T-Shirt right on Franklin Street or GiantT-Shirt.com. They're, they're known for their customer service, and it's a local company. And as Franklin Street becomes more and more you know, corporations and chains and stuff, it's important to support the local family-owned businesses that are still chugging along on Franklin Street. And we really appreciate Giant T-Shirt for what they do for us. 
and what they provide for the Chapel Hill and Franklin Street community. Okay, um, we didn't tease much about what else we we're going to talk about, but we are going to do some superlatives later in the podcast. We're going to talk about Jacoby Criswell and Trenton Simpson uh, briefly here and then get into kind of a, a firing off of the class superlatives for the 2020 UNC class. Let's go to Criswell. Well, first, first, we need to give out our new top five. Okay, what is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, drop it here and we'll drop it at the end again. Go ahead. Okay. All right, so our top five is your your top five wish list for the 2021 class as far as the recruits in that class. Who are the five recruits that you want UNC to land? Um, it's, it's time to turn the page to get to that next class, even though we still have a signing day left, but UNC is basically done. To submit your top five, whatever way, whatever means necessary to get it to me, whether it's um, on the message board, you could send me a personal message on Inside Carolina, Send me a, a a tweet at Don Callahan IC. Email me at uh, Don at InsideCarolina.com. Um, prefer to tweet it at me though, or um, or or PM it to me on, on the message board. But whatever, what, whatever way, smoke signals, carrier pigeon, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you need to do, I can give you my physical address also if that's <laughs> easier. Uh, and this will be good for me. I mean, I'm not too familiar with the 21 class. I know I, I cover recruiting kind of just for this podcast and kind of keeping in the loop on the big targets, things I need to know for, you know, big time deals and commitments. So getting introduced to the 21 class will be good for me. I think it'd be good for our listeners to kind of turn the page on 2020. And we have a whole another cycle starting up here. We will do the, the next podcast will probably come after Christmas and new year's so after the holiday season. So in around January, the, the first week of January will probably be the first uh, podcast you get. So send in your your top five mostly, I get most highly desired uh, players for the twenty one class. Okay, Jacoby Criswell. It didn't have as much drama as as maybe uh, we were expecting. It's good for UNC. What kind of happened from his flirtations with Auburn and Arkansas to visiting UNC officially and then committing and signing and committing to Tar Heels. Yeah, so um, heading into Wednesday, the the sources I spoke to was the coaching staff just wanted a very drama-free day, and that's what Chriswell gave them. Pinder did not, but uh, basically, Chriswell took an official visit to North Carolina, and immediately following that, I spoke to him, and he made it clear that not only was he locked in to UNC, he was going to sign on Wednesday, which he did, and he was going to enroll in January. And for those who have been following this, they know that um, those both of those items were were in limbo with with this, I guess, new interest from Auburn and Arkansas. And really, I, I believe that if Arkansas had their situation more together, that they probably would have been would have been able to steal him away. But they didn't have a, a uh, offensive coordinator. They didn't have a quarterback coach. So Crispell had no idea who he was going to be coached by, what system they were going to run, that sort of thing. And obviously, he had a very strong relationship with uh, Phil Longo and, and knew what he was going to do um, there. Um, and, and that prevailed. And, and I'm sure spending the entire weekend with a large amount of UNC verbal commitments uh, made things a whole lot um, easier to choose UNC. Yeah, and you kind of were ahead of that with the story that you had after his official visit that he was on with UNC. 
Mac Brown on Wednesday spoke highly of Phil Longo's relationship with Joe Bacobi Criswell, and they wouldn't have really been in it in it with him if Longo, you know, hadn't been the OC at UNC. Longo started recruiting him at Ole Miss and kept recruiting him when he took the job at UNC, uh, and they're pretty excited for him. I, I think they think he can be really good once Sam Howe leaves. Criswell can step right in. He'll have kind of two years of experience behind Howe and can be the guy, um, I guess, for his redshirt sophomore, junior, and uh, senior seasons. You know, he could play the four games next year, but if Jace Reuter is back, I'd imagine Jace Reuter is a backup. Sam Howe's a starter, and, and Criswell is there for uh, emergency situations and probably like him to redshirt. Um, little dual threat guy, maybe a little more of a runner than Howe, had a, a tons of rushing touchdowns along with um, passing touchdowns. And um, it was important for UNC to have a quarterback in this class. Yes, absolutely. And they needed the numbers. If nothing else, they needed the numbers because, you know, the fact that Sam Howe went the entire season without missing a significant amount of time, significant amount of a game, um, let alone, you know, uh, games, um, was uh, significant, and that doesn't happen very often in college football. And again, props to the staff going into Arkansas, getting the guy they wanted, holding on to him, and fending off in-state Arkansas. Like you said, the fact that they didn't have an offensive coordinator or an offense set was a was a was probably a, a big deal in Kobe's decision. Like last year, it was Sam Howe kind of waited until Phil Long was hired and they knew what kind of offense was going to be at UNC. Kind of the same deal, except Arkansas wasn't able to bring in a guy early enough. Okay, let's move over to Trenton Simpson. Uh, obviously, not the most positive of results for the Tar Heels. Uh, the class, I think, overall is very, very positive, but it could have been a lot better if Simpson uh, had had signed with UNC. But that got out of the way last weekend. Uh, Saturday night, I was in Greensboro when it all went down. Um, he was on an, just a visit, right? Just a visit to Clemson. Official. It was, it was official. official. Okay. Yes. Official visit to Clemson. Uh, that, did that come out of nowhere? So, um, so we had heard rumors that he was – this is this is early last – this is, yeah, early last week. We had heard rumors that he was going to take an official visit. Those rumors were actually kind of hinting at a midweek official visit. Um, but – we weren't able to find a whole lot of, I guess, a secondary source that can kind of confirm it. Um, and then basically on Friday, uh, Anna Hickey, who covers the um, you know, Clemson for 24-7 Sports, she reached out to me and said that she was at a, I guess they had some sort of press conference at Clemson, uh, a, a player availability situation, and that Trent Simpson was spotted during that. And that kind of let the cat out of the bag that he was on an official visit to Clemson for that weekend without a, an offer from, from the Tigers. Yeah. Okay. So, and we had been following this in terms of our podcast, the whole Trenton Simpson deal. I mean, you you guaranteed him it was going to sign with UNC. Uh, Don Callahan guarantee failed. You let down the Tar Heels. Did I actually everywhere. guarantee? I mean, you were all in on him coming. I don't you know. You said you would be so surprised if he didn't commit to UNC. I mean, you remember, yeah, remember, you, like- said, remember you said you were more confident about Trenton Simpson than you were with Des Evans. Yes, I did say that, but that's not a guarantee. <laughs> that's not a guarantee. I know, but you had uh, you were very confident in Simpson. I mean, it yes, was all UNC. Yes, yes. Which- and that and that was, but that was also 
and I, and I do feel like I'm kind of backtracking here, but that was also without the presence of an offer because my thinking was this was that well one Clemson would have to offer which wasn't wasn't any you know for sure that Clemson was going to offer and then two he would have to not feel like he was a plan B which maybe he did and it didn't matter to him or maybe Clemson did a really good job of kind of covering that up or or, or whatever it may be um and so I was thinking okay for these things to happen. And then he has to visit there and all that, and, you know, for these things to happen, it, it was very unlikely. I mean, it just followed a perfect path to lead to Clemson. And that, and, and my, my thinking was that there was so many bumps in the road that could derail this, that one of these bumps is going to hit and he's going to end up at Tar Heel because really it came down to North Carolina and Clemson. If Clemson didn't offer, he's going to North Carolina. Yeah. And so your one thing was, you know, even if Clemson, the Clemson offer was obviously something he wanted, even if they did offer, you know, the whole um, being, you know, the second choice could even – he could still commit to UNC. Obviously, that was not the case. So he goes to Clemson without an offer. They end up offering him Saturday afternoon. Is that right? Yeah. Um, well, so I was – it was in the evening because I was actually – uh, as I mentioned before, I went to the state championship games and I had went to the first two in Chapel Hill and I was on my way to the seven o'clock game in um, in Raleigh at NC State. So it, that was around like six ish. So before I got into my car, while I was still in the, the press box of Keenan uh, Stadium, that's when it was posted on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was that he received the offer while I was driving. I had a couple people send me text messages, give me calls that, wow, he just committed to Clemson. Yeah. 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 So it was, I think it was within an hour after he put me, who knows when it actually happened, but if we're looking at his social media. It was, he posted it. And then within an hour he committed, um, posted the offer, then committed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was obviously you look at it now, it's like he wanted the Clemson offer. He always wanted to go to Clemson after decommitting from Auburn. He visited Clemson. UNC was kind of a placeholder. He would have gone to UNC if Clemson had not offered. Things did not work out between Clemson and Justin Flo. I guess Clemson got vibes that Flo was going to stay on the West Coast. He ended up committing to Oregon, I believe, yesterday, which is crazy because USC was so close to him. Um, so without Justin Flo, Clemson needed a linebacker. They had a good choice right up the road in Charlotte. Simpson got the offer, committed on the spot, and the dreams, uh, Tar Heels' dreams were crushed. For, for landing a, another kind of elite defensive player. Yeah, and I don't know if I should bring this part up, but if UNC, according to the 24-7 sports class uh, calculator, if UNC would have landed Trent Simpson, it would have had the 15th ranked class, which, mm. you know, 15, 19, I don't, you know, I don't know if it matters too much. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, clearly Clemson got the hint that it, it wasn't going to get uh, flow and, and they made the push for for uh, Trent Simpson, and and you know, I very few schools could have done what Clemson did with Trent Simpson. Basically, string along a four or five star linebacker like that, and then at the very last moment, throw him a scholarship and him jump on it. I mean, that, yeah, that's it, you know, that's crazy. I mean, Clemson is is recruiting at a different level. They have the prestige and clout to do something like that. All right, we're going to move on, but quickly, it's crazy. Have you seen that USC's is the 78th class in the nation? Yeah, that was that one wild? of the Yeah, that was one of the crazy. There was a lot of um crazy things, you know, as far as like, you know, look at Virginia Tech. 
And and then also, I mean, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they really, I know they started off the year not so great, but they really kind of got it together and were really playing well towards the end of the season. But their recruiting class hasn't responded. Um, NC wow. State. NC State not doing too well either. Yeah, let's actually uh, let's go through this real quick. Yeah, USC only has eleven commit assignees, and they're the seventy eighth seventy eighth ranked class in the nation. I mean, this is a school that should be recruiting the top five every year. Yeah, and they obviously don't have the numbers, and that I don't know why. I guess because of the issues with the coaching situation. Well, they but, missed uh, on guys. I mean, and if you're expecting to sign guys and and you don't sign them, but yeah, eleven is. Oof. Man, I have no idea. It's on the opposite side of the coast, and and I don't talk to any of the writers that cover uh, USC. But um, yeah, that's we obviously know what's going on with with the coaching situation. But um, and, and that's not easy. Even if you don't fire your coach, with all the rumors that your your coach is going to be fired going around, that's that's just as bad. I mean that that makes things so difficult to uh, yeah. put together a team. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to affect recruiting. I mean, he's kind of on the hot seat perpetually there. Uh, yeah. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech landed the number 68th, sorry, 61st ranked class in the nation, uh, the number 13th in the ACC. They don't have a single player in the top 247. Uh, just not, you know, they have one four-star. But, uh, yeah, for uh, I guess they kind of got behind, you know, and then couldn't catch up once they – because they, they put together a pretty good season. But Virginia Tech, I mean, that's a big-time rival for – UNC and the Coastal and a big-time rival in recruiting, recruiting a lot of the same areas. But Virginia Tech, not a great class. Any thoughts there, Don? Yeah, I'm just looking through their class, and I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, I don't recognize any of these. Well, one, I recognize only a couple of guys on this commitment list. I mean, that's... You, you know, know, that shows you is that, you know, UNC is is not competing with Virginia Tech for recruits as much as they yeah. were... Two or three years ago, I mean, it feel like two or three years ago, almost every commitment was uh, kind of between Virginia Tech and UNC, at least half of them. But yeah, for you not recognizing all the players shows you and, and UN, some of the- UNC, UNC is competing with South Carolina, Tennessee, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, you know, those type of schools. Yeah, yeah. And then the locations of some of these guys, you know, Virginia Tech went into to Texas and um and some uh, went to JUCO ranks also kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, they, there wasn't a whole lot of crossover between UNC and Virginia tech in recruiting this year. And then NC state signs the number 45 ranked recruiting class in the nation, number eight in the ACC. They have a really good player in Porter Rooks out of Myers park. Um, but other than that, I mean, no, nobody else in the top two, four, seven. Uh, and they had a, offensive tackle decommit on Tuesday night yeah. and sign with Georgia, Georgia home state, Georgia. Uh, what's his name? Black Blasky. Yes. Yeah. Austin Blasky. He had been all you all NC state on Twitter committed. I think as I read something where like he was a, you know, committed forever. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of verbiage there. And he flips to Georgia hard to turn down the in-state, um, school there like he did, but he had been on Twitter bashing Jonathan Adorno's flip. Mm. And he had, on social media, he had been like such a proponent of NC State and then um, and, and bashing guys like Adorno who flipped to UNC and he himself flips. Not a great look, but obviously crushed the dreams of the, uh, the Wolfpackers. Yeah, this is another situation where I'm looking at, at this class. I mean, obviously I recognize a lot more than the Virginia Tech class, but 
not a whole lot of crossover um, with uh, North Carolina and uh, NC State with this class. Um, you know, I, I do I do really like Devin Van, um, who's in the Shrine Bowl this week. Um, but other than that, I mean, I was never. I like I I know Porter Rooks really well because I've been covering him since his freshman year. Basically, great kid, love the kid. Um, I never really felt like he was a four star guy, but um, you tremendous tremendous kid though. Um, yeah, and some of these other guys, yeah, you know, I mean, really, there's not a whole lot that, that not you know not a whole lot that UNC really wanted here, other than the kicker in uh, Williams, good player. Um, but um, yeah, I mean. And the other thing, too, I wanted to point out is that if you want to see something that's kind of crazy, you can actually look at, in addition to someone's uh, commitment list, you can look at their decommitment list, if that's even such a thing. Go Go look at Miami's. It is like so long. And some of that is it, some of that is is because Miami has this thing. This is, doesn't matter what coach. It seems like all the coaches there have done this, where they they accept these commitments from like freshmen and sophomore sophomores and and all that. And then these guys just never end up sticking because obviously you don't know what you want to do when you're a sophomore. Um, and then all these other schools come in, so you end up visiting other schools and and you end up decommitting. But a lot of it too is that they lost a lot of commits recently, um, and and that really has um, you know kind of hurt um, their class. Um, but I mean, it's still it still is a class ranked higher than North Carolina. Is that's how crazy the talent is, you know that that Miami is able to pull in. But um, yeah, it could be so much better. On the uh, commitment page, you can kind of click a pull down and you can get the decommits. Uh, State had five, no, they had six. But Jonathan Adorno isn't isn't on there, so we got to add him. It's probably something you failed to do. Um, of course, Miami has a lot. So those are the teams that UNC plays Miami, every year. Miami, Miami has 19, according to this. That's Jeez. crazy. It, recruit down there is crazy. I mean, you have all these different schools coming in. Okay, we need to move on. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our superlatives. It's going to be a, kind of a, a quick firing away of, of different players that, that in the class and what Don thinks about them. I'm going to – we have not – I've not given Don the categories. I'm going to shoot him some superlatives. He's going to tell me what he thinks. And then we're going to close out this podcast. We'll be right back. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, Don. Superlative time. I uh, prepped you for this, uh, but I did not tell you the... Um, it's all project. on the spot. Usually yeah. we do prepare for the podcast, but um, we felt like it would be more interesting to do this without me knowing. Maybe put me on the spot and see what what I can do. Yes. Okay. And some of these are going to have some overlap. I, I would encourage you to kind of pick try to pick different players for each one. There might be a little overlap, but that's okay. And also, on some of these, we're going to ask you to do a offensive player and defensive player. It's a 25-person class. There's a lot of players, so we're going to have a lot of names flying. And keep your answers brief. Uh, so give, <laughs> give us a name and then tell us why in uh, maybe two or three sentences. And then, uh, you know, if I have any questions or 
or comments, I will throw them in there. Okay? All right, let's go. Okay. The uh, Let's go the best player, the jewel of UNC's 2020 class, offense and defense. All right. Defense is Des Evans, uh, for obvious reasons, um, highly ranked, the highest ranked uh, commitment from North Carolina. Offense. Oh, man. I get you got to go uh, Jacoby Cresswell. You know, he's a quarterback. Landing a quarterback was, was key. If UNC didn't, then this would this would definitely feel different today. Um, if it was kind of searching, scrummaging through the aftermath of uh, the early signing period to find a quarterback would not have been fun. Um, yeah, those are my answers. Okay, great. All right, a little similar, but it might be a little different. The uh, most likely to be a first-round pick, or I guess the, the best NFL prospect uh, in this class, offense and defense. Well, with um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard for me to answer this question, not repeat it, because um, you know, Des Evans obviously the highest ranked, and 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 when we do these rankings for twenty four seven sports, or when twenty four seven sports does his rankings, it's with the idea of who's going to be, um, you know, how I guess the the NFL draft perspective of it. So his high ranking means that he's going to be. Um, drafted by in the NFL in the NFL, so I got to go. Dez Evans on defense, um, on offense, the highest ranked guy is Josh Downs, and he's also probably the most um, polished guy. So I'll go that route. I'm not asking for the highest ranked. I mean, what do you think? You know, you might have a player that is going to grow into. A, I mean, Charlie Heck definitely wasn't the highest ranked player, but he's probably the best, one of the best prospects on UNC's roster. Would you right, go with so- Josh Downs? Um, yeah, I'm going to still, I'm going to stick with Josh Downs and, um, you know, I guess if I was, if I had to change my pick for defense and we're going to just ignore the rankings, I'm going to go Jaquiris Conley. Um, I just, I, I just think he just has everything that you want. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, right now he has the size, he has the intensity. Um, he loves to hit. Um, he's, he's a, uh, game changer when he has the ball but he also has tremendous work ethic which i think can't be um understated um you know one of the best practice guys i've seen um so uh, i'll go that route with him for for the defense all right great most upside slash kind of underrated a player maybe ranked in the bottom half of the class that you think is going to um outplay his ranking and be the the most underrated player in this class, offense and defense, please. All right. So offense, I'm going to go with um, with uh, uh, Caden Baker. You know, is a guy who who really um, wasn't highly recruited because of the fact that he focused on basketball and was at a very small school in Florida for much of his career until transferring to a much bigger school. But I think he has all the tools, has the pedigree, and all that. On defense, whoo, man, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with Cedric Gray. I think that he has a lot of um, untapped potential. He's a guy who mostly focused on wide receiver in high school, but is coming in as a linebacker, uh, played a lot more defense during his senior season, but he's just a tremendous athlete, and I think that he has the the moldable traits to kind of develop into a great linebacker, and, he, and he'll leave North Carolina as um, – as a draft pick for sure. Okay. Um, okay, we're getting to some more, some some different ones here. Okay. Um, immediate impact. Which player next season, 2020, 
will uh, so you got to think about UNC's roster, the needs. We'll have uh, the best best impact as a the most impact as a freshman offense and defense. All right, offense. Even though UNC's wide receiving corpse is kind of set, I I have to go with Josh Downs because he's just so incredibly polished. He's enrolling early. Um, I mean, you know, he he has he has, he's pretty much going to be. I believe is going to be caught up with with um, the upperclassmen by the time the season starts. Defense, um, I guess we got to go Clyde Pinder just because of um, the need there. I think that you're going to want to um, kind of at least at the very least rotate him in at that nose guard position because um, you need to get him some experience because you're going to count on him uh, pretty soon. Okay, uh, you don't think Des Evans is going to be impact player in um, in year one? He could be, but uh, um, I chose uh, Clyde Pinder. I feel like just the position need there yeah. is just is so so great. Yeah, and uh, what I don't like about this class as much is that there's not any defensive tackles or linemen outside of Bingley Jones enrolling early, and that's where UNC needs has a lot of needs, but none of those guys are going to get in and get the weight on and, and get what they need there, right? Yeah, yeah. For my um, off the top of my head, of the early enrollees, you are correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll get into and, a little more. Pre- and Bigley Jones might end up being a four technique instead of a nose tackle or, or nose guard. Um, so, you know, so that that's kind of a factor too. Okay, great. Um, which uh, signee was the biggest surprise to commit to UNC? Just, we'll just do one. Like, which guy did you think maybe UNC didn't have a chance with or just you didn't think was going to be a UNC signee that ended up committing? All right, so I have one, but I've already named it before, so I want to look through the list real quick. Um, all right, I'll go with uh, Elijah Green. And the reason being is that for the longest time, our sources were telling us that UNC was only going to take two running backs and then I hear that he's visiting. I didn't think much of it because I felt like UNC was done. And then two days later, he's sending me a text message saying that he's going to commit later on that day. So that was, I guess, the biggest surprise. And you could go anywhere with this one. I mean, obviously, like, um, sorry, uh, Clyde Pinder could be an answer. Criswell, yeah, State kids, um, Adorno, any of the flip guys as well. Adorno or uh, Gosnell could be guys you didn't expect either. Um, okay. Uh, the hardest player to reach and and cover as a as a recruiter. Let's get to let's get offensive defense. Ooh man! All so right. I'm talking uh, about you know t- you tax them, you call them, they're hard to reach. You can't get information. They never call you back. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. You know this class is, was pretty good for the most part. Um. Whew. Um. Yeah, this class was really good. Miles Murphy was a little bit. And particularly towards the 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 stretch heading into his announcement, um, he was getting hounded like crazy. Um, but uh, I, I had such a great relationship with him because I was one of the first people to come by his school. But I mean, he was probably the hardest for defense, for offense. Man, um, God, like I said, they're all Caden uh, Baker. Um, you know, he after he visited North Carolina, he he was responsive um but then there was a while there that that uh he just wasn't answering his phone and i had to go through his his head coach who was awesome to deal with and super helpful um so he's my offensive pick okay 
Uh, we might have some over. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Sorry, let's go here. Uh, recruiting coach, the best UNC assistant for this class in terms of recruiting. Well, this one's hard. Um, I, I mean, I guess you have to you have to say Tim Brewster, just because you know he was um, leading the charge with Desmond Evans. Um, he was the one who basically kind of um, sealed it up with uh, Clyde Pinder. Um, he was involved with a lot of the, the flips, particularly with the Dorno. That's, that's his area. Um, you know, he was involved with all the, the tight ends, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of credit for Boaz, but he actually was Boaz's dad's position coach when Boaz's dad uh, played at North Carolina. So that, um, that, that connection kind of worked in his favor also, but yeah, so I'll go with uh, Brewster. Do you think Boaz plays uh, gets a snap at quarterback at UNC during his career? You know, I don't know, and and the reason why I say that is because you know I was kind of coming around to it as the season was going on, with watching him play, particularly when I watched the uh, the state championship game. But then when I was talking to a couple of people who were actually at the state championship game, that you know he I think he had eight touchdown passes. They were they remarked at just how wide open the um, the receivers were for East Surrey. Um, and some of that is because they're playing one egg schools who aren't used to covering the pass. And, and, and then also they have four guys who are three guys who, you know, two of them are walk-ons, but they're going on to play at uh, ACC schools with, after hearing that, I didn't think too much of it until I saw Boaz in triangle ball practices. And I noticed that he just was so gun shy on, on throwing the ball because the windows were significantly smaller and people weren't wide open. And so that's a little bit of a concern for me. He, that's something that he's going to have to adjust to. And um, he was making some progress before I left uh, Spartanburg, but not enough to where I could say, all right, yeah, he's, he's a quarterback. So that, that is definitely a concern for me. Yeah, I mean, he's a, I mean he's, his numbers at quarterback are, are so impressive. He's such a big guy. He's athletic. I mean, I, I could see if he wants to play quarterback, you know, going someplace else and playing because I think he has the ability to, put, to be a college quarterback maybe at a little lesser level or at a school that has more of a need right now. But I'll be interesting to track his position. I mean, I guess tight end is, is what they want him for. Yeah. And the other thing that he struggled with also that, and he mentioned this was the progressions, you know, and the, he, you know, they were asking him to scramble to have basically four progressions and he, he wasn't able to, to do that quick enough. Um, but yeah, he, he's going to have to kind of get up to speed. And this is where playing at the one a level makes a huge difference and puts him at a disadvantage. For sure. All right, we're gonna we're gonna fly through a couple here. Uh, the best offensive lineman in this class, you think, will be the the best UNC player after his career is done. Uh, the uh, best offensive lineman. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm Caden Baker again for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Love him. You I do Mc, love him. You think McGowan's gonna be good? I think he's gonna be better than what people think. He's a big I, boy. Every, Yes, everybody looks at his weight and they say, "Oh, he hasn't. He needs to lose weight." But the one thing, there's so many things that that a lot of these guys need to to be worked on when once they get to college, and you know, technique, this, that, get faster, get more agile, all that sort of stuff. But your weight, unless it's extreme on one way or the other, weight is not something that's hard. You you you're going to be spending every day with a strength and conditioning coach who's going to obviously be molding you. Also, your your diet is going to be handled by a dietitian. So that that stuff doesn't worry me, but I just look at just how well he moves at that size and I think once you kind of you know cut down that weight, 
just think think of how well he's going to move and how powerful he's going to be. Yeah, and one thing that Mac brought up, and I'm going to write about it today, actually, is just they got a lot nastier on the offensive line. They got some some guards who have a little mean streak in McGowan and Adorno and some players. They just needed to get a little meaner on the offensive line. I think they achieved that, um, especially with Ty Murray also uh, from, the, from the previous class. Okay, best offensive skill player in this class. Let's say uh, not counting Josh Downs. Not counting Josh Downs. All right. Um, and not hmm. counting uh, Criswell. So we'll go everybody, every other wide receiver running back except for Josh Downs. All right, give me DJ Jones. I think this kid is, is steel from North Carolina. Just watch his film. He had a, he had a rough um, senior season because he's injured a bunch. But, I mean, this kid can catch. He can run. He'll block for you. You can do a bunch of different things with him. I think he's going to be a great player for North Carolina. One thing I noticed is, is how low-ranked UNC's running back commits are. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, I mean, you, you kind of want a stud there, but, you know, they don't I, have one. This, I really no think – really, I'm very, very high on DJ Jones – and um and Elijah Green, I'm a little bit. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm um not high on Elijah Burris, but I I do have some concerns, mostly with the one A stuff. Um, and if you look at his stats, he's also another one that put up unbelievable stats. But if you look at when he played like legit teams, those numbers are more pedestrian than w- what they are against some of the some of the teams he's played are are really really bad. Yeah, he plays at Mountain Island Charter. Okay, yeah. best defensive lineman, not counting Jazz Evans. All right. Oh, man. First, uh, Cayman Rucker, linebacker or or defensive lineman? So he will work with a defensive lineman. He'll be one of those outside linebackers. You know, kind of like – I know this is like – you feel like I'm not answering your question. But, like, think about how Tamon Fox was used. Yeah, That's he'll, what, be, he'll be listed as a linebacker, but I, I just consider those guys that rush defensive ends. Yes, and that's and that's what he'll do. Okay. So you still want me to answer so your recruit, question? Hit, include him as a lineman. All right. So, oh, man, I, I – this is tough between Miles Murphy and Bingley Jones. I'm going to go Bingley Jones just because of, you know, Miles Murphy probably has the higher ceiling, is more naturally gifted, but Bingley Jones has an unbelievable work ethic, and he is just focused on one goal, and that is to um, to be successful in college and go into the NFL. And if you look at he he was very no-nonsense with his recruitment, very methodical with it. Also, he, he could have played in a lot of these all-star games, turned them all down because he doesn't want to get injured. He wants to enroll early in North Carolina and get his college career going and be as successful as possible. I think when you have that mentality, that goes a long way. Yeah, and you're just looking at the, the UNC's top three players are all defensive linemen. They're all in the top 200. Compare that to some of the classes we talked about previously. I mean, UNC racked, you know, racked them in at the top end, especially on defense. You know, safety is also... Conley's the number 160th player. So they have a lot of high-end talent on defense in this class. Okay, so you're going Bingley Jones? Yeah, I'm going Bingley Jones. Okay, bold. I really like Rucker. I, I saw his tape kind of for the first time yesterday. I think he's going to be a, a – he's so quick and so fast off the jump. I think he's going to be a, one of the more underrated players in this class. Also like Cedric Gray's tape. Um, got a chance to look at a lot of that stuff yesterday. Um, I think Gray and Rucker are going to be good defenders for UNC. Okay. I agree. Best linebacker in this class? Uh, Cedric Gray. There's I only know, two. Yeah, I mean, I, um, 
you know, uh, Ethan West is ranked higher. Um, I, I like Ethan. I think that he might be better playing defensive line. Uh, you know, I did a, a breakdown of his, of his, uh, one of his, his better games from, uh, his senior season that we posted, I believe it was last week. So check that out. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I just think that he has some deficiencies, um, for the linebacker position that can be easily hidden if he moves up to a uh, defensive line and best defensive back. I'm assuming you're going to go Conley. Um, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. I mean, Conley easily, I mean, we haven't talked about him enough in these superlatives, but I mean, he is an absolute freak. Um, I mentioned this in my, in my uh, column um, yesterday that we posted, but um, I mean, I think to me right now, if I were to re-rank my top 50, Connolly would be number one. Top 50 in-state uh, recruits, which I do every every May, right before the uh, the summer hits. Um, I had Desmond Evans number one, Connolly number two, Trent Simpson number three. Right now, if I had to re-rank them, Connolly would be number one. I just think that highly of, of this guy. For sure. And finally, the best personality in this class go offense and defense. You know, who do you expect to be a hit with the fans and with the media? Yeah, I would, I would point to, you know, a guy like uh, Marquise Williams with a good personality, Switzer, uh, and, and Michael Carter is a big personality. Who do you think is going to be the funniest guy, the, the biggest personality in interviews and things like that? All right, so my offense is easy. That's Jefferson Boaz. You know, he has that all-shucks country sort of personality. One of my favorite recruits ever to call to to uh, to cover, and and you know whenever I call him, it's never like hello, it's oh man, there is the man. He's all <laughs> emphasized and everything, and I mean just when you're around him, he's just an awesome kid to be around. Um, comes from a great family, so he's easily my, for my offense. Uh, defense, wow. Um, ooh. No one who really I'm trying to I'm trying to look. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I got it. Um, Rucker, Rucker, great personality, um, and and definitely similar to Boaz in the sense that when you ask him a question, you're going to get a couple of paragraphs answer back, which is which is good. Um, and uh, you know, great great personality. He's definitely. I don't know what his situation at school is, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was like the Val Victorian there. Yeah, I think he's National Honor Society, Max. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, good stuff. Yeah, I saw some pictures of Boaz wearing the um, camo jacket. I knew, okay. I knew, I knew this guy is going to be a good guy to cover. You don't mess around when you wear a, a big old camo jacket. Well, plus he's he's uh, you know six eight, legit, and he's from um, Pilot Mountain. God's yep. country. Uh, and then, of course, um, Clyde Pender's outfit for one of his visits that I posted <laughs> on Twitter. The jean jacket with the Carolina blue turtleneck was quite the look. Well, he's, you know, when you see him, he's a scary dude. Even though he's only about six feet tall, he, he, he's a scary looking dude. There you go. Okay, last question. We gotta get out of here. It's it's past eight thirty. You know what eight thirty means for me, Don. So we have to get out your of here. Appointment. You have your appointment. That's right. We have to get out of here quickly. Uh, what remains for UNC in this class? Um, Mac Brown. You know, so they'll, they'll take a look and see what else is out there. They they may have a couple other scholarships available, and they definitely want to save some room for the twenty twenty one class. And they offer also 
may look in the grad transfer market. Um, I think it was like 2,000 players in the grad transfer market right now. So from your intel, what could can people expect UNC to close out with in terms of grad transfers or, or, or new signees? Uh, I think other than maybe Elijah Burris, I think there's a very, very good likelihood that North Carolina does not add to this class at all. Um, just because, you know, they, they're signing 25. You have, we've, we've talked about the initial counter thing. We don't have time to get into that right now, but they're kind of getting close to that number if they are, haven't already reached it. So there really isn't a whole lot of space to add guys. Um, but really, I think the staff is pretty happy with, with what they did with this class and they've answered a lot of their objectives. Now, if somebody did not sign that they're like, man, this will be a great addition that could definitely happen. Or if there's some grad transfer, that just, just makes a whole lot of sense for this, for their defense or offense, then that could definitely happen. But I think the, the, the odds aren't in the favor of that happening. Yeah. I mean, I could see them trying to maybe if there's someone available for defensive tackle, just because of the need there for one year as kind of a stopgap until some of these younger prospects are available. It'd be nice to have a, a guy who's played two or three years in college to come in and, and be an impact player for one year. But outside of that, um, they got everything they needed in this class. Yep, I agree. All right, Don, that's it for us. Anything, you, any closing remarks to kind of put a cap on this 2020 class? I know it's always emotional for you as you in one <laughs> class and move to the other. Any closing comments that you want to you want to say? To I am I am just excited to for personal reasons to have signed a done, um, and it should be a pretty quiet holiday period for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of of some quiet time. We'll obviously still have plenty of content that will come out. Um, not nearly as much because we have Christmas next week, New Year's the week after that, but we will still have content. But it'll be. Just kind of calm down, and then really we just amp up on the 2021 class, to be completely honest. I'm excited for that. It should be a good class, group, good group of kids. Um, and, oh, just as a reminder, make sure you send your top five in, your, your top five most wanted from the 2021 class, and you could send it to me on Twitter or through um, Inside Carolina's message board. There you go. And this is the first class that has been, uh, you know, pretty much a full-time with uh, myself hosting the the podcast with you. Any yes. thoughts there? When did we start? We start in the uh, summer? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know when we started. No, we've done uh, – we did the Freak Show whatever podcast. So, obviously, it was, it was sometime in May or June. We, pro- we also probably need to wish everybody happy holidays because we will not uh, – as far as I know, we're not going to do a podcast for the next couple of weeks, correct? Yeah. I like to say, you know, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, but yeah. people might celebrate Kwanzaa or yeah. you Hanukkah. You can celebrate anything you want, but you, you can wish anybody any, any, uh, yeah, anyway. Don't forget I, the reason for the season, Don. I, I don't. Are you going to get me a gift? My gift has been uh, hosting you on this podcast for the last six uh, months. Uh, All right, that's it. I got to go. keeps on giving. <laughs> that's right. Your friendship, your friendship's the only gift I need. Gotcha. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.